Let us turn to the book of Genesis chapter 49 and verse 26. The book of Genesis chapter sorry, 49 verse 26. Genesis 49 verse 26 says, The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. With the help of the Lord, I'll share a message with the title The Crowns of Victory, A Christian's Eternal Reward. Amen. You see, we all know that the Lord Jesus has promised us several types of crowns. These are our eternal rewards in heaven. You know, God is not a God who is ungrateful. He appreciates the work that we do for him. He appreciates the work that we do for him to such a degree that he actually has prepared crowns for us that we can actually wear for eternity. Think about it, for eternity. You know, the world is so concerned today with jewelry. They want earrings and uh, necklaces and, uh, you know, wristbands and uh, all sorts of jewelry, which basically we did not do anything to deserve. You just have to have the money. It doesn't matter how you secure the money. The important thing is you just exhibit, you display all this jewelry. And how long would you be displaying and exhibiting this jewelry? For a few short years on this earth. But the Almighty God, Jesus Christ, he promises us crowns, crowns of gold that we will wear for eternity. Just think about it. Praise God. And these crowns signify what we have done for Jesus. So they're not just uh, jewelry that uh, basically speaks to our vanity or desire to look beautiful, no. This, these are crowns that only the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, will bestow upon us for serving him. Now that is something beautiful to look forward to. Think about it. Uh, and when I studied the Bible, I realized, my goodness, uh, there's not just one crown. There are several crowns that God operates with. And these crowns, there are five different crowns spoken of in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we will find that although the Greek word for crown is the same, Stephanos, yet there are different crowns for different services to the Lord mentioned in the New Testament also. So we will be talking about these scriptures and the significance of these crowns. They have rich meanings in the Hebrew, and we need to look at these nuanced insights. We need to shed light on the various aspects of honor, authority, and distinction that these crowns give expression to. So the first one in the Old Testament we just read from the book of Genesis chapter 49 and verse 26. The Bible says, you see, the Spirit came upon Jacob. Jacob was old and now he was passing on the blessing that he received from his father Isaac. And listen to what he says. He's blessing Joseph. 
Now, we know that Joseph was the second youngest child. He was not the firstborn. But it's interesting what Jacob says to him. He says, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. I want you to notice one thing. You see, jo Joseph was not supposed to inherit the blessing of the firstborn. But notice what Jacob tells him. Jacob tells him, the blessings of your father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. In other words, jo Jacob is telling Joseph under the anointing, my son, although Reuben, the firstborn, is supposed to get this blessing, which is the custom, according to the law of God and my forefathers, Abraham and Isaac. But I, from the beginning, as Jacob, I loved you above all my sons. Because there is a favor of God upon your head. There is a crown of the favor of God upon your head. And so Jacob was happy to reveal to Joseph that although he is not the firstborn, God has chosen to place the crown of inheritance upon Joseph. Praise God. You see, there is a crown of the favor of God. Amen. And this crown is not something you know, sometimes just inherit because you are the firstborn. Hallelujah. It is God who decides who he wants to crown with his favor. So we are talking about the first crown in the Old Testament, which in Hebrew is called Kod Kod. Kod Kod. This crown is unique. You see, you don't have to do anything to inherit the blessing of Abraham and Isaac. All you have to do is to be the firstborn. But when God sees that the firstborn is not worthy of that crown of inheritance from Abraham and Isaac, God will give it to another person who loves the promises of God. And you know, Jacob should know this more than anyone else because he was not supposed to get the kodkod. It was supposed to be his brother, Esau. And so now, history is repeating itself. Jacob, being a man of God, a spiritual man, he knew that it is not always the first begotten who will inherit the favor of God. It was not Reuben who saved the family. It was not Reuben who became the second most powerful man in the world after Pharaoh. It was Joseph, because Joseph inherited the crown from God himself. I pray that Jesus will put this crown upon your heads today. I pray Jesus will give us the cod cod today. Hallelujah. You see, it was God who said, Jacob, I love but Esau, I hate. At that moment, God put the crown of his favor upon Joseph, upon Jacob. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. This is wonderful. It's so wonderful to have a crown on your head that says you have the cod cod of God. Wherever Joseph went, he had this crown upon his head. That's why the Ishmaelites could not destroy him. That's why his brothers could not destroy him. That's why the Egyptians, Potiphar's wife, could not destroy him. Brothers and sisters, we need this kodkod upon our heads. Hallelujah. Amen. How do you get this kodkod? <laughs> you need to be faithful to Jesus. You need to be spiritual people. Don't be materialistic. Don't be lackluster in your spirituality. Be zealous for Jesus. 
Be a spiritual people. Be like David, of whom God said, this is a man after my own heart. David had the cod cod of God upon his head. He was not the firstborn. He was the youngest. How did he get the crown? Because God does not give that crown to just anybody. He will find the person in the family or in the church who is spiritual. Who will not forget their spiritual identity. Who will not deny the greatest of all teachings in the world. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Who will not deny that salvation, baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Who will uphold the doctrine that God has promised to pour out of his spirit upon all flesh in the last days. These are the people who receive the cod cod of God, the crown of his favor. Somebody say amen. Somebody say Give me the crown of your favor, Jesus. Give me the cod-cod upon my head. Hallelujah. Amen. So that was the first crown that we talked about, that we, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament. Let's go to crown number two. Crown number two is found in the book of Exodus, chapter 25 and verse 11. The book of Exodus, chapter 25 and verse 11. The Bible says, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it. And shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. Praise God. Now, the Bible mentions the word crown of gold. You see, we have to understand that when God was making the items, the furnitures in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there were, he precisely commanded Moses to make a crown of gold upon these items. Why? Because you see, the Hebrew word for crown here is zer, zer, z-e-r. And this Gold that basically fills the mold. That means there is a, you put it in, you have a pre-planned or predetermined mold. You pour the melted gold into it, into the mold, and it takes that shape. And it hardens in there. So you see, this crown, the second one called Zer, it formed the shape of a crown, and it was supposed to basically give the uh, message to us that, listen, upon the holy things of God, these things which, let's say there is the lava, the wash basin. Let's say there is the altar of repentance. Let's say there is all these different other items. By putting a crown on them, God is trying to tell us, listen, the holy things of God, the things which are involved in salvation, in drawing us closer to God, because each item was supposed to take care of some aspect of sin and draw you closer and closer into the presence of God. So God is trying to put emphasis, draw attention to the importance, to the beauty, to the power, the majesty of these items, the aspects of salvation. They themselves become God's crowning glory. You see, we need to perceive our salvation in this manner. Have you, If you look at baptism in Jesus' name, in the eyes of God, there is a crown of gold upon it. In other words, this is how much God honors, loves, respects. These are holy things. Amen. They were so valuable to God that he said, put a crown of gold upon it. Zer. Hallelujah. We as Christians are to remember the things of God are holy. 
the aspects of salvation are holy. In the eyes of God, there is a crown of gold upon them. Hallelujah. Amen. So, in a sense, you can transplant that. You can extend it to ourselves. A person who understands the value of salvation is a person who, in a sense, has that crown of gold upon them. Praise God. That's why the Bible says, they who turn people to righteousness, they will shine as the stars of the heaven. God will give you a crown. If you bring people to salvation, the Bible says you will shine like a star. But you know what? There were people like Esau, Esau. You know how he treated the holy things of God? How did he treat the inheritance of Abraham? He considered soup, a pot of soup, to be more important. Guess what happened to him? He lost the crown of inheritance, the cod cod. He was banished away from the Holy Land. Imagine that you are born through Jacob and you are the grandson of Abraham and you are not allowed to stay in the land give promised to Abraham. We always say God through sent away Ishmael, sent away Esau. Let me tell you, it's not just sending away. What is the promise of Abraham? It is to go to the Holy Land. And imagine now you are sent away from the Holy Land. Is there a greater curse than that? There's none. We need to appreciate the holy things of God. Jacob was willing to cheat, to do anything to get the holy things of God. So God gave him the zair. God gave him the kod kod. Hallelujah. That means his crown of favor, kod kod. He gave him his crown, which signifies here is a person who understands the value of holy things. Amen. If you appreciate holy things, if you appreciate going to church, if you appreciate the doctrine of one God, there is no trinity, God is one. If you appreciate the doctrine of baptism in Jesus' name, if you appreciate the doctrine of receiving the Holy Ghost, the doctrine of living a holy life of prayer, God will give you the crown called Zer. Zer. Can we say Zer? Hallelujah. There is a crown for loving, appreciating, respecting the holy things of God. Especially in a world we live in today, which does not care about holy things, which treats church, baptism in Jesus, one God, like, uh, like Esau. We are not Esau. We are not Ishmael. We are priests of God. We live in the house of God. We will cry for the things of God. We will not get tired of serving in the house of God. The world has no interest for us. Then God will give you the crown of Zer. He will give you the crown of the holy things. Praise God. Amen. So far, so good. Let us continue. Let us go to the next crown. In the book of Exodus chapter 29 and verse 6. The book of Exodus chapter 29 and verse 6. The Bible says in Exodus 29 and verse 6. And thou shalt put the mitre upon his head. And put the holy crown upon the mitre. Let's read that again. Thou shalt put the mitre upon his head and put the holy crown upon the mitre. So the high priest had a head covering called the mitre, like a turban, if you will. But on top of that, God said you should put a crown. The Hebrew word for this crown is nezer, N-E-Z-E-R. Nazir. It is associated with Nazar. It signifies a crown associated with dedication and consecration. It represents a consecrated separation unto God. 
reflecting the holiness and the set apart nature of the wearer. Hallelujah. So there was one crown, brothers and sisters, in the Old Testament, which was only given to the high priest. This crown means separation, holiness unto the Lord. Ah, hallelujah. Did you know there is a crown of separation? It's the only crown in the Bible with the name Nazir. And the only person who could wear this crown is the high priest. Not even the king could wear it. He would be killed. May Jesus give us a crown of separation. A crown of holiness. May Jesus give all of us the Nazir. May you be the Nazirite of God. Amen. Separate unto God. We are having, there will be, the Bible says, Jesus has made us kings and priests unto our God. In heaven, there will be people wearing a crown of separation unto Jesus. We, they will wear it forever and ever and ever. And when people look at them, they will say, there is the Nazir of God, the Nazirite of Jesus. These are the Annas. These are the Simeons who separated themselves for God. They will have a crown of separation. I pray Jesus will give you a crown of separation. Hallelujah. There is no crown of loving the world. There is no crown for compromising with the world. There is no crown of one foot in the world, one foot in the church. We need a crown of total consecration to God. I pray you will have a kodkod, the crown of favor. You will have a zair, the crown that appreciates holy things. And that God will even give you the crown, which is the crown of nezer, the crown of separation unto our God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let us continue. So after that, there is another crown in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28 and verse 5. The book of Isaiah, chapter 28 and verse 5. Isaiah 28, verse 5. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory. Somebody say, God himself will be a crown of glory. And for a diadem, say with me, diadem, a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. So the word here for crown and diadem is atara, atara, A-T-A-R-A-H, atara. It comes from the word atar. This word conveys the idea of a crown as a symbol of victory and triumph. It is worn by those who have overcome challenges and adversities, making them Conquerors, praise God. Did you know that there is a crown which is actually God himself? Because in Isaiah 28 verse 5, it, it says, In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory. Can you imagine there will be Christians walking around with a bright crown on their heads? And when you try to touch it, you won't be able to touch it. Why? Because that crown is the glory of God himself. God himself will come upon you, your head. His glory will form into a crown, a diadem, an atara upon your head. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm excited. Praise God. What? What kind of crown is this? This is God himself putting his glory upon our heads. Praise Jesus. That's why the Apostle Paul said, eye has not seen, ears not heard the things that God, hallelujah, has prepared for them who love him. Amen. You will be seeing people with these strange looking crowns. And you will wonder, what is the source? And the voice will, the elders will tell you, this is the Atara of God. These people have overcome. Great challenges for the sake of the name of Jesus. And now God himself is being a crown upon their heads. God himself has honored them. Praise Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 
uh, where can you get such a crown? Is there any place in the world or anywhere in the universe? No. Only God himself. In other words, his Shekinah glory will come on your head. Oh, wow. That's powerful. God himself becomes a crown. Yes, that's what it says in the book of Isaiah 28 verse 5. And that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory. Mm. God himself will be our crown. Amen. We need the crown of God. Joseph had the crown of God and nobody could touch him. No evil could destroy him. Oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> that is sufficient for us. Amen. Praise God. There are people who go around with those caps. And I don't know why they're all over the world. I have nothing against New York. But you know the cap which has NY. And then you think, well, I, I hope New York knows who they are. I hope New York will save them if they're in trouble. <laughs> so Sorry, if anyone is from New York, uh, we pray, we bless New York. But, you know, I wonder what those caps are doing all over the world. I go to Mumbai, India, and there are people wearing this cap with NY. And I ask them, have you been to New York? No. Uh, what do you know about New York? Nothing. Why do you go around with a cap saying, may God give you his cap, hallelujah, his glory. I want a crown which says Jesus upon it. A crown because Jesus knows me. New York doesn't know me. New York can't help me. So I need a crown of the glory of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I used to, when I was a kid, somebody gave me a cap with Los Angeles Lakers. And I knew nothing about basketball. I had no idea where Los Angeles was. I had no idea. I thought it was a lake or something. New, I said Los Angeles Lake. Uh, no, Lakers, the basketball player. This is back in the days of, uh, what's his name, Magic Johnson and those guys. But I, I heard those names, had no clue. And I would proudly wear it. But I'm thankful today that I understand the one thing I need on my head. Praise God. Even if you give Brother Paul some hair, it won't help me much. Maybe keep me a bit uh, warmer. But I, I think what I need is <laughs> the athara of God. I need the crown of the glory of God upon my head. That's what I need. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's continue. The next one is in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 1 verse 11. The book of Esther. Let's look at the last crown in the Old Testament. The fifth crown. In the book of Esther, chapter 1, verse 11. Esther, chapter 1, and verse 11. It says, to bring Vashti, the queen, before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty. For she was fair to look on. So here we see the word crown again royal the hebrew word is keter keter and this word keter which comes from qatar signifies a crown denoting honor and authority this term is often associated with the regal crowns worn by kings emphasizing the sovereign rule and majesty of the wearer. So this crown is associated with royalty. Amen. So we finally have a crown. We had a crown for the high priest. Separation. But now there is also a crown for the kings and the queens. In this case, it was Queen Vashti. Remember what the Bible tells us. God was not joking, lying, whatever you want to term you want to use. When the Bible says that he has made us kings and priests unto our God. Revelation chapter 5 verse 10. Let us turn to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible said, 
and has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. So notice, he made us kings and priests. And the king, I assure you, wears a crown. So there is a crown called Keter that Jesus is going to put upon our heads. Praise God. You know, I often ask myself when I read such scriptures and I tell the Lord, Lord, what have we done to deserve this? You know that you are overpaying us. I mean, for the word overpay is, uh, is, uh, doesn't do justice. Uh, we, it's him who helps us to do his will. In other words, we are cheating. God is making it easier for us. He fills us with his Holy Ghost. He is with us. He delivers us. He's sending angels. He is, you know, uh, he's doing most of the work. And then in heaven, he wants to honor us with a lot of, you know, uh, pomp and ceremony. It, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. I tell the Lord, Lord, sometimes I tell him, Lord, I... <laughs> I love you, you know. I don't deserve any crown. I'm just happy to be saved, to be with you. But when I read the Bible, no. He's not that kind of a God. Our God is a God who is happy to clothe us with glory. Clothe us with titles. I have never understood this. Do you know that God made Lucifer? And when you read how he made Lucifer... He made him as an incredible being, the son of the morning. He was covered with jewels. I mean, God knew that this creature is going to rebel against him and become evil. And yet he clothed him with glory. I, I need you to understand the God we serve. Eh? Because I, I'm very patient with people who come with uh, those kind of strange questions about uh, you know, almost like they're trying to defend Lucifer. You know, I'm willing to engage with you, but it's not a nice discussion for me to have with such people because they are just not reasonable. I'm sorry to say, they're not reasonable. Listen, imagine a God who creates somebody called Lucifer as probably the most beautiful and powerful creature that he ever made. And still he knew that this creature is going to rebel against him. What more evidence do you need that our God is good? We have to be careful. I met, I had a debate once with a, a discussion and the guy's trying to defend Satan and in the end the devil came into him. I'm not joking with you. Some people may already be demon possessed when they are talking such nonsense. Listen, God is good. Don't ever doubt that. It is a sin to even question that. Just read the Bible. It's clear. What kind of a God did he have to make us? Did he have to make uh, Lucifer and uh, Gabriel and Michael? There are people worshipping Gabriel and Michael. And still God made them. Although he knew that people are going to worship him. Let me tell you, my God is really a good God. I want to say he's not envious. He, he's only jealous for the truth. He's not jealous like you and me are jealous over some, I don't know, uh, whatever people are jealous about. He is jealous for the truth. So, I want to say our God is beyond good. I, we don't have words to describe him. That's why we just fall down before him and we just worship him. You know why? Because we imagine we, <laughs> look at yourself. Jesus is going to make you a king. You know, I want to laugh. Sorry. Me, king? <laughs> uh, I, can you please just make me a servant? I'll be very happy to be your slave and your servant, Jesus. That's enough for me. Uh, I don't want to pursue this topic anymore, but I hope you understand what I mean because it, it's, it's, uh, we don't have words to explain the goodness of our God. He 
is giving us all these crowns for what? That's why the 24 elders just throw down their crowns upon the ground and fall down before. They, they, they don't even want to wear those crowns upon their heads in his presence. He gave them the crowns, but these guys are just waiting for somebody to worship God and they fall down. They're looking for an excuse to, to throw their crown on the floor. Oh, hallelujah. May God give us the spirit of the elders. Even though we know that our God is going to give us those, these crowns, we will never become proud with those crowns. We will keep falling down at the feet of Jesus. We are going to be different kinds of kings. We will keep letting the crown fall down and we will keep picking it up. We'll keep falling it down and we'll keep picking it up. That is how we will stay humble before the presence of Jesus. If Jesus wants to put a crown on my head, I can't stop him. But Jesus cannot stop me from falling down before his feet and letting the crown fall down before his feet for eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. God is good. His mercy endures forever. He's a wonderful God. I love him with everything in me because his, his goodness compels me to acknowledge his integrity, his beauty. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go forward. So we have talked about these crowns. By the way, remember the last crown? This was Queen Vashti. Who gave her the crown? Who gave her the crown? It was the king, yeah? So the king told her, come in front of me. She refused. What happens if you don't come before the king? You will lose your crown. I am going to, as I told you, my, what's, so what's your plan after retirement? It's to just hang around Jesus. Hang around Jesus. <laughs> I don't have any other plan. Amen. To just be on my knees before him. Let somebody shout hallelujah. I'll fall down and let the crown fall down before his feet. That's my plan for eternity. Amen. If you have some other plan, God be with you. All power to you. But that's my plan. Amen. So this Queen Vashti, she forgot who gave her the crown. The crown, the keter that was put on her head. Never forget who puts the crown on your head. If you get promotion in this world, the Bible says, promotion comes neither from the east nor the west, but it comes from God. Hallelujah. Amen. So always give honor to him. Whatever promotion you have, say God gave it to me. Joseph, who made you lead of Egypt? It was God. Was it not Pharaoh? No, it's not Pharaoh. Daniel, who made you president of Babylon? Was it Nebuchadnezzar? No, it's my God. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to kill me. <laughs> The world wants to kill us, but God puts a crown on our heads. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. It's a wonderful God we, we serve. A wonderful God. I know there are crowns upon your head. The world cannot see it. But that's why doors open for you. That is why you get that job. That is why you get that blessing. That is why... People don't know why they are opening doors for you, why they are helping you when they don't want to help you. Because you are carrying a crown, a kod kod. You are carrying a keter, you are carrying a nazir, hallelujah. All these crowns are upon our heads. And the world cannot resist treating us like kings. You see? Amen. So, once we understand these Hebrew words, we get a more comprehensive view of the multifaceted nature of crowns in the Old Testament. They represent not only positions of authority, but also symbols of consecration, victory, and regal honor. Amen. Once we understand this, let's go to the New Testament and explore the types of crowns mentioned in the New Testament, praise God. Hallelujah. In the New Testament, we need to understand that there is only one word used for uh, crowns. Stephanos. The next time you hear somebody's name is Stephen, do you know Stephen? 
It comes from Stephanos, Greek, which means crown. Praise God. Crown. So the Apostle Paul uses this word a lot. It represents a wreath worn by victors in various contests, contests and are proudly displayed in public for all to see, among others. Uh, there are many meanings, but let's begin with the first one. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. The Bible says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not ye even in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Amen. So there you have the word crown. So the first crown is the soul winner's crown. In other words, the Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians, well, what is my crown? My crown is you people that I won to Jesus. Did you know that the people you win to Jesus will be the reason Jesus will put a crown, a soul winner's crown on your head? Amen. So, the Greek word is Stephanos, a symbol of victory, emphasizing the joyous reward of bringing souls into the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. As Christians, I will remind you, our greatest calling is to share the gospel. And this crown, the soul winner's crown, this Stephanos, waits, awaits those who faithfully fulfill that calling. Praise God. Amen. You know, uh, not that I'm an avid follower of uh, soccer, what you call soccer in the USA, football in Europe. But, you know, sometimes some of us, you know, when you, whenever, if you've ever watched these, uh, the Champions League, they call it finals. Have you noticed they have this uh, trophy there? Yeah. And then suddenly towards the end, there is a, an inscriber. He's waiting. The moment the whistle is blown and we know who the winner is, what happens? You The, the camera zeroes in on this engraver who starts writing the name of that team <laughs> that won the trophy that year. You know, many times and I've seen it, I said, my goodness, there is a trophy, a crown waiting in heaven for me. There are many crowns. And when, as soon as we finish our lives on this earth, We've won. Jesus starts to write our name on the crown. Oh, hallelujah. You know, whenever I see the trophy, I forget the Champions League. I don't care who wins it. I say, oh my God, hallelujah. I have to run a race. There is a trophy waiting for me in heaven. Jesus will write my name and your name. Win souls for Jesus and there is a crown waiting for you. The soul winner's crown. And this agrees with Daniel chapter 12, which says, those who bring souls to righteousness, the Bible said they will shine like the stars in the heavens. Not only will your body shine, but your crown will shine in Jesus' name. I pray that Jesus will give you the soul winner's crown. Let's go to the second crown. There is another crown, which is called the crown of self-denial. Did you know there's a crown for denying yourself for Jesus? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corru corruptible crown, but we and incorrupt. In other words, Paul the Apostle is saying, there are people who are striving today. They fast. They pray. They say no to many things. Why? Because they do not want to be enticed by temptations that will draw them away from serving Jesus. These are people who deny themselves for the sake of Christ. These are people who refuse 
to allow the pleasures of this earth to numb their senses, to forget their mission and vision in life. And the Apostle Paul says, there is an incorruptible crown waiting for those who basically avoid the corruption of this world. So there is a crown of self-denial, brothers and sisters. There is a Stephanos of self-denial. Hallelujah. You know, you look at these people, these athletes, these marathon runners, boxers, whatever field they're in, we know that these people follow a very strict regime of exercise and uh, diet, uh, which most of us would not be able to follow. Why? Because their senses, their hearts, their visions, their dreams are all focused on one thing, to receive the title. The day they get that medal, fastest runner in the world, or the best long-distance runner in the world, the world's best boxer, the world's best tennis player, the world's whatever. I can assure you, these people, we only see the glitter, the gold, the, the medals, the smiles, the honor, but we don't see the, the tears, the pain, the sweat, uh, in heaven, it's the time of the glitter, the honor. It is on this earth, brothers and sisters, that we are denying ourselves with the tears, the sweat, the toil. It's all in this world. Are you going through pain? Are you going through sufferings? I was just speaking to Sam, somebody yesterday going through horrible suffering for the sake of the name of Christ and encouraging this person. God is with you. We are praying with you. We are suffering with you. The sufferings of this present world, the Apostle Paul said, are not worthy to be compared with the glory, hallelujah, that shall be revealed in us. Amen. So we have to understand the sufferings of this present world cannot compare, amen, with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Amen. Romans 8 verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. Let me tell you that sometimes, you know, when you look at these runners, uh, I can tell you they have to have a lot of mental strength. Uh, I was a middle distance runner when I was young in my teenage years. I, I believe it or not, I don't look like a runner now, <laughs> but I was the best middle distance runner. We, we have the uh, East African genes. Yeah? So it seems we, we are naturally good long distance runners. Uh, you know, the... Uh, Ethiopians, Eritreans, Kenyans, they dominate the long distance. Even a Somali guy called Mo Farah, uh, who won the Olympics for four medals, uh, gold in 5,000, 10,000. I remember Mo Farah, when he was running in the 2016 Rio uh, de Janeiro, a uh, Brazilian Olympics. Do you know he actually fell down? Because they're always jostling against each other jostling for, uh, you know, favorable position. And somebody clipped him and he fell over. Everybody sighed, oh, it's finished. Mo Farah will not defend his gold medal this time. Guess what? He stood up, he ran, he caught up with them, and he won. So, you know, when I looked at that, I said, I could see, and even he said it. He said, this is the best gold medal he ever received of the four Olympic gold medals. Why? Because with this one, he fell down. It seemed impossible. So the greater the suffering, the greater the victory. 
In this life, if you are suffering, brother and sister, Jesus is with you. He wants your victory to be sweeter. Your crown will be so much the more glorious. Amen. I want to be there when the crown is put on the head of Job. I'll tell Jesus, can you please wait uh, before you put on Job? <laughs> I want to be there to shout and jump and clap for him. I mean, everybody knows Job. Wow. You know the patience of Job. We want to be there, praise God, and shout and see how God will reward this man. I want to be there when Jesus will put the crown of glory on the head of the apostle Paul. You know, these people, we, we know them so well. We read their stories every day. We cry with them. I always cry when I read about the sufferings of Paul, how he was beaten for the sake of Christ. I will shout with them, jump with them. And I will jump with each and every one of you when Jesus gives you your Stephanos. Hallelujah. It's like today in this world, we say, wait, wait, wait. Let's, I, you know, all the cameras ready. Hallelujah. We, we, the, all the cameras out. We want to take 50 pictures. Hallelujah. We don't have pictures in heaven, no cameras, no iPhones and Samsungs. But uh, I just want to tell Jesus, could you please wait so that I can shout and celebrate with everybody receiving their crown. Amen. So we need to understand there is a victory, a crown of self-denial. The more you suffer, the greater will be your reward in heaven. And imagine Moses clapping for you. Imagine Isaiah clapping for you. Imagine Peter coming up to you and giving you a hug. We have a cloud of witnesses. You know, the people we live with, uh, they're not dead. God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. When I live a Christian life, I always look to see Jesus is always my God. But we have a cloud of witnesses. There are Moseses. There are, these are people we are preaching about every day. And these are our brothers and our sisters. They are clapping for us. They want us to make it to heaven. To be with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm speaking to somebody. Maybe your time is finishing soon. Maybe you are going to the finishing line. I want to remind you of your reward that God has for you. Praise God. You will receive it. Finish your race. Keep running. Hallelujah. Don't slow down now. Hallelujah. The third point is... The crown of righteousness, the third crown. There is a crown of righteousness. Let us look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also, that love his appearing. Praise God. Crown of righteousness. Do you know that this crown is given to those who love the appearing of Jesus? You say, what? Is it not for doing something? Yes, to believe that Jesus is coming back soon is righteousness. Think about it. When God told Abraham, leave your country, your family and everything. He believed God because God said, I will give you a land. I will make you a church. Just by believing in the promises of God, although he did not see them, he did not embrace them. He was called righteous. And he's given a reward for believing in God. When we are telling people to believe Jesus is coming back soon, it's more than just believing. The moment you believe it and you are looking for it, you have a crown of righteousness waiting for you. Jesus will say, here comes the man, the sister, the woman who is righteous because she was waiting for my appearing. Wow. So Jesus, I didn't do anything. I just believed you're coming back soon. That is righteousness. That is righteousness. That's why we need to go back. I, I want to write a book soon about Bible prophecy and the coming back of Jesus. 
the return of Jesus. I want to teach it chapter by chapter. Because there are too many signs around. Too many signs. Everything, the alarm bells are ringing. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Hallelujah. Remember the Bible said the government shall be upon his shoulder. The governments of this earth belong to Jesus. Right now, they can call it the government of the USA, Congress, whatever they can call it. Uh, Whitehall, uh, the British Parliament. But let me tell you, they are just temporarily, temporarily occupying these places until Jesus comes back. Because Jesus is the rightful heir of this earth. Pilate asked him, are you a king then? He said, yes, I was born for this. Hallelujah. He was born for what? To be a king. Why did kings come to him from the east? Why did wise men come? Why did he visit? Why did kings talk about him? Because he's a king. He's born to be a king. For this purpose he was born. My king is Jesus. My king is Jesus. Always say, and that day there shall be one king, one Lord. His name shall be one. I have a king. We are part of a kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. He is coming back for his kingdom. We are his subjects. He's coming back to rule over us. We want nothing better in this world. I mean, what do you want? We want Jesus, our king, to come back. <laughs> Hallelujah. What Christmas gift do you want? I want my king to come back. That's my Christmas gift. Hallelujah. I want to be ruled by my king, Jesus. Praise God. I'm tired of voting every four years for people who promise everything and deliver nothing. God bless them. Amen. But my king, Jesus, I'm waiting for him. Hallelujah. I have a king. Please do not forget. We are waiting for the consolation of not only Israel, the whole world. We see today that Israel is uh, suffer struggling, suffering. I feel sorry for them when I look at them. One day they are using their mighty military to smash the Palestinians and their land, uh, the, the, the buildings. The next day they are waiting to receive their hostages. The people are suffering. Israel is not doing well. Let's be honest. They're not doing well. And they will not have peace until Jesus will come back. Jesus will give them peace. He's the prince of peace. Hallelujah. The Palestinians need Jesus to come back. Jesus will also give the Palestinians peace. Hallelujah. He is the prince of peace. Because how do I know this? Because the Bible says the nations will not learn war again. Ah, they will beat their plowshares into pruning hooks, their swords into. Hallelujah. Is that not what Isaiah chapter 2 says? The nations will say. That means the Palestinians will say. The Saudis will say. The Chinese will say. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Ah, what a beautiful day. Nobody is going to arrest you for this vision. It's a peaceful vision. What are you saying? I'm saying that China and the Palestinians and Iran, the Ayatollahs of Iran, they will not be Ayatollahs at that time or Mullahs. I'll show you. There will be no Hezbollah. All of them will say, let us go up to Jerusalem. Why? To the house of the God of Jacob. What's his name? Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Nations will not learn war again. Say, so what are you people drunk on? We are drunk on the Holy Ghost. What are you guys seeing? We are seeing the visions of Isaiah and John and others. Praise God. Amen. This is what gives us, you know, when we believe these things, it gives us supernatural energy. Hallelujah. It gives us, amen, uh, incredible, uh, you know, a zest for life. Praise God. So, I'm speaking about the crown of righteousness. We are wearing a crown of righteousness for believing these things. We have a Stephanos. Hallelujah. This crown is laid up for all those who love the appearing of our righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a promise of eternal honor from the righteous judge to those who eagerly await his return. Let's go to the next crown. It's called the crown of life.
There is a crown of life. Let's go to James chapter 1 verse 12. James 1 verse 12. The book of James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. Amen. So here is another Stephanos. It represents the triumph over trials and challenges. Blessed is the person who perseveres under trial, for they will receive the crown of life promised by the Lord to those who love him. This crown is a testament to the endurance and faithfulness of believers in the face of life's hardships. Amen. Praise God. So this crown bears some similarity with the crown of self-denial. But this one here is speaking about overcoming trials and challenges. The other crown of denial is you deny yourself. But this one here is about overcoming trials and challenges. Then you will receive the crown of life. Praise God. Jesus said those who seek to save their lives will lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of Christ, you will gain it. That means here come all the martyrs of Christ. Those who died in the name of Jesus. Those whose health broke because of Jesus. You didn't lose life. You will gain the crown of life. Amen. And let us go to the last crown. It's almost an hour since I started. It's perfect time to conclude. The last one is the crown of the under-shepherd. What do we mean by the crown of the under-shepherd? We're talking about the crown of the pastor. Anyone who is doing ministry, there is a special crown for you. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. The Bible says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, when the chief shepherd shall appear, that is Jesus, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen. Who is Peter speaking to here? He's speaking to pastors, shepherds. And he reminds the shepherds who are doing the work of God. He says in 1 Peter 5 verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partake of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords of a God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. Praise God. So here we have it, those who are ministers. Let me say to you, the life of a minister is not a walk in the park, not a, it's a tough ministry, it's a tough life, it's a life of sacrifice, it's a life of obligation, it is a life of service, but above all, it's a life lived out of great love for Jesus, because without that great love for Jesus, we would not be able to do what we, we're doing. We're not doing it to get a reward from Jesus, we are mainly doing it because we love Jesus so much. We don't want to let him down. Jesus told Peter, do you love me? Three times. Feed my lambs. Feed my, my people when they are young. When they're new. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. That means feed them when they are adults, when they're mature. Notice what Jesus is telling Peter. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs when they are new. Give them milk, not meat. Don't kill them with meat. And when they become adults, keep feeding them with solid meat. That is a big dedication. That is a big, a tall order. We can't fulfill it unless Jesus gives us the grace to do so. And so, if there are any ministers listening to me, you have a great reward waiting for you. You have a crown 
which not everyone can wear. So I want to encourage you. Keep feeding the sheep. Keep upholding the responsibility that God gave you. Keep taking care of the flock that God has given. And there is a great reward waiting for you. Jesus bless you. With those words, let us pray. Let us ask the Lord. We've heard the word, but hearing is one thing and doing is altogether another. Let's pray for grace. After we've prayed for the grace to hear the word, let's pray for grace to implement the word of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We come before your throne. You're almighty God. A God uh, of whom when we try to speak or do justice to your name, to your glory, we come short, Jesus. Forgive us for that. Forgive us for that. Give us better messages to, to glorify you. with. Give us a better tongue, a better mind, a better spirit to bless you with Jesus. That all men may see the length and breadth, height and depth of your power, your glory, your love, Jesus. But today we have preached about the crowns that you have in heaven, Jesus. And these crowns are waiting for your people. And you so desire, with a great desire, to put these crowns on their heads and bless them and congratulate them and pay tribute to them. For this is your character. You're a God who clothes his creatures with great blessings. Amen. And these are your children, born of bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. Bless the hearing, the ears that hear today. We pray that we will continue to, to wait for these gifts, Jesus. And if there are some who are not prepared for any of these crowns. Let them desire and covet these crowns from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Stretch forth your hand. Bless everyone in Jesus' name. Bless them, Jesus. Let them not lose, lose their reward. If they become tired along the way, give them rest and help them to continue. Help them to make it to the finish line. All of this, I pray. In the glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth. And the church says, Amen. Amen.